Good morning. It is so good to be here. I love this church. Let me tell you about my first experience at this church. It was a wonderful one. I was a college student down at Texas Tech. I was a saddle tramp. And uh, I was studying the Bible with Raider Red. I really was. And I studied the Bible with Raider Red. And Raider Red, if you know him, he's the mascot at Texas Tech. Kind of looks like Yosemite Sam. And so Raider Red, he decided he wanted to give his life to the Lord. And I don't know how it ended up this way. But of all the places, we came here to baptize Raider Red. And so, just need to know that kind of a historical moment in the life of Southwest Church of Christ that Raider Red was baptized here in this baptistry. He, he didn't wear his costume at the time, though, but uh, it would have been great. I'm from Christian Relief Fund, like Dula told you, and uh, uh, Doppler Dave, he calls Christian Relief Fund Amarillo's way to change the world. And we help through the sponsorship of children in developing nations, and we drill uh, water wells in famine areas and we help with disaster relief in places like Florida or in Haiti over in the Horn of Africa or we help also in Ukraine and I wear orange I mean I really do I wear orange and let me tell you about that I was over in Kasumu Kenya I was in the Linda slum it's the most diseased place on the planet and I got surrounded by these AIDS orphans and when they were surrounding me, they're just pretty much climbing all over me. And one of them finally says, did you know that orange is the color of hope for AIDS orphans in sub-Saharan Africa? And I said, no, I did not know that. And they said, well, it is. And then one of them said, would you wear orange for us? And I said, sure. I really, you know, just thought, well, I'm going to wear orange every once in a while. And then one of them asked a question and he qualified this whole deal and I wasn't really thinking it through. He said, every day? And I said, sure. I didn't think that through, that I went to Texas Tech University, and we are the Red Raiders. I didn't think that went through. In fact, I wear orange every day. But the chairman of the board of Texas Tech called me, and he said, Milton, I understand the orange, but if it's game day in Lubbock, Texas, I better see red. And so this is the only time I don't wear orange is a game day in Lubbock, Texas, at Texas Tech. But I also brought you, I hope you go to our display back here in the foyer. Go back there and see what we're doing. But I also brought you some bracelets like Dool's wearing over here. And uh, so you could wear some orange too. And on the bracelet, it has the Swahili word for hope. It says, Tumaini. Can you say that? Tumaini. Okay. Now you speak a little Swahili. And uh, so it has this, and I printed up thousands of these things. I give them all over the world. And this one that I brought you today, though, is the second batch. Because on the first batch, I nearly spelled to my any correctly. I mean, it was just so close. And so I'm, I'm traveling around the world, and this time I'm in Uganda. And so I'm handing out these bracelets in Uganda where they actually speak Swahili. And I says, and I have some bracelets for you today. And they have on there the Swahili word for hope. And one guy holds up his hand and he said, that's not the Swahili word for hope. And I said, it's not. And I said, well, what is it the Swahili word for? And he said, lust. (laughs) So... My name is Milton Jones, and I travel around the world handing out lust bracelets. That's who I am. 
Thank you so much for going on a mission trip with Christian Relief Fund. And I'm just uh, so thrilled with what you did. And you helped all kinds of kids. Like there's a little Cheryl here. And she is one of the brightest, uh, most ingenious girls I've ever met. And yet she didn't have a future until somebody sponsored her. So you know what she really needed in her life? She needed a break. And that's what your youth group did when they went down to Campamento, Honduras. They gave little children, just like Cheryl, a break. And I'm so glad you're even going again down there. And uh, I remember my first mission trip. It was also to Central America. And I went down there and I was, ended up with some Mayan children that I was trying to figure out what was going on in their lives and seeing what I could do. And I went there and there's all of these children and they had these bright rosy cheeks and so I was I was looking at these these kids and I turned to our director and I said these kids with these rosy cheeks they're the most beautiful kids I've ever seen in the world and he said no no Shola said said that's not beautiful and I said what do you mean says they have rosy cheeks because they're malnourished they only have corn to eat and because when they only eat corn their cheeks turn red and he said pretty soon they'll crack Right then I realized, I don't understand a whole lot of things. You know what I'm saying? But, you know what I learned? I learned I can help. I said, you know one thing I can do? I can buy food that's not corn. And I can supply you with food that's not corn. I said, I can do that. You know, I can learn and I can help. And that's what happened on y'all's mission trip. You, many of the people that went had never been to Central America. And you don't know that much about Central America. But what you did is you learned... And you helped a whole lot, and you gave these children a break. And I just want to thank you a trillion times for doing that. We help in about 20 other countries, 20 to 30 other countries with child sponsorship besides Honduras. And I thought I'd take you to a day in uh, Kasumu, Kenya. That's where I work the most. And just to let you know about a day there. And uh, it's the place that I started wearing orange. And... When I was uh, up at the Northwest Church in Seattle, and that's where Ryan was, and, uh, and when, when I left that church, y'all gave me a going-away present, and it wasn't a watch or something like that. They built for me an AIDS clinic in Kasumu, Kenya, and that was my going-away present right there. It's a, it's a great, great present. And anyhow, after they built the AIDS clinic, I told the patients there, I said, why don't you put a verse from the Bible over the door just put a big sign up with a verse from the bible and they said what verse should we put and i said i don't know you pick the verse and so this was the verse that they picked proverbs twenty three eighteen. it's not the one i'd probably pick and it's not the one i would probably pick if i had full-blown aids it says surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off i want to give you a little few stories about hope today when I was there, just nearly underneath that sign where, uh, where it talks about Proverbs twenty three eighteen, I was talking to our director. His name is Jared Odiambo. And I said, Jared, there's a little kid over there, and he keeps staring at me. And he said, well, he's looking at you because he's hoping that if he gets to talk to you, you will get him a sponsorship. And now, sponsorship is... Uh, costs $35 a day. It's where somebody like you sponsors a child, and many of you do. 
You sponsor a child, and for that $35 a month, that child will get an education, that child will get clothing, that child will get spiritual training, that child will get food, that child will get medical help, all that for $35 a month. And you know what? We can spend, that's about a dollar a day. We can spend a dollar a day in Amarillo, Texas, and have no idea where it just went. You know what I mean? But for a kid, that can totally save and change his life. And so this little kid is over there uh, staring at me, and Jared says, he's hoping that you'll get him a sponsorship. So I said, well, I like his shirt. Got a picture of his shirt here? Okay. I said, I like that shirt. And you know what he, Jared said? He says, well, that's not his shirt. He just kind of went around the slum today, just going from person to person, asking if there was an orange shirt that he could borrow for the day because he knew you'd be wearing an orange shirt. I said, wow. I said, I better go meet him. He, tell me a little about him. He said, well, he's an AIDS orphan. Lost both of his parents through AIDS. If you get close to him, you'll see on his back, he's got a big tumor. And he doesn't get to eat regularly. And he doesn't have enough money to go to school. And I said, wow. I better go meet him. So I went over to him. And I bent over and shook his hand and I asked him a question. It'd be the same question you'd ask him. What's the question you'd ask him? What's your name, right? <laughs> so, what's your name? And so the kid, he looks up at me and he says, Milton. I thought at first maybe he was saying my name, but that was his name. He looks up at me and he says, Milton. And then it just dawned on me. It was one of those experiences of a lifetime. Here was little Milton in the orange shirt who had to borrow it. Here's big Milton in the orange shirt who has a whole closet full of them. Here's little Milton with a tumor on his back. And here's big Milton who doesn't have a tumor on his back. Here's little Milton who lost both his parents of aid. Here's big Milton who does not. Here is little Milton who does not have food to eat. Here is big Milton who eats way too much. Here is little Milton who doesn't get to go to school. And here is big Milton who's gone to school for so many years he doesn't even know how many and right then I learned something I learned that I have won the cosmic lottery by being born where I was born and when I was born I have more than anybody in the history of the world and so do you. And I'm not telling you that to feel guilty. I'm telling you that to feel grateful. We should feel grateful for what we have. And we should give. We should help. Jesus says in Luke 12, 48, he says, To whom much is given, much is expected. Now, who's he talking to? If we've won the cosmic lottery, he's probably talking to us, right? To whom much is given, he's talking to me. And so he says, there's some expectations on you in your life. I went right over close to the spot I was talking to little Milton, and I saw Oscar Amande. And Oscar Amande, he, uh, he's got a big smile. I'd recently got him a, uh, a sponsorship. In fact, the last time I was there, I took his picture and took... took uh, took his picture back, got him a sponsorship, and he had this big smile. It's easy to get him sponsored. He had such a big smile. And uh, anyhow, I said, Oscar, how you doing? And he said, I've got good news, bad news, and good news. 
And I said, well, tell me about it, Oscar. Tell me, why don't you start with the first good news? And he says, well, he said, do you know what an achievement test is? And I said, yeah, I do. He says, he said, it's this test. He said, they're just crazy. They're hundreds of questions long. And they decided that I had to take this achievement test because they don't really like our school here because it's full of AIDS orphans. And the government said AIDS orphans are stupid. And so they're trying to prove that we're not very smart. And so I had to take this achievement test. And, you know, they just wanted to know how stupid I was. And I said, well, how'd you do on the achievement test? And he said, well, you know, I answered all the questions correctly. I said, you got every single answer right on an achievement test? And he said, yeah, and they told me it had never been done, been done before. They said, nobody had ever even come close to getting all the questions answered correctly. But I did. And I said, well, then what's the bad news? And he said, they wouldn't believe me. They said I cheated. And I said, that's terrible. They wouldn't. And he said, no, they wouldn't even count the test because they said I cheated. And I said, well, that is bad news. And I said, well, then you said you had bad news, good, you had good news, bad news, good news. And I said, tell me the second good news. He said, well, they made me take it again. And they sent somebody from Nairobi down here. And this education director, he stood over my shoulder and looked as I'm taking the achievement test. And I said, well, how did you do, Oscar? And he said, well, that's the good news. I got them all right again. <laughs> And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, Oscar really, you could have called him the smartest kid in Kenya, couldn't you? I mean, he's just doing it, measuring it objectively, he's probably the smartest kid in Kenya. And he nearly didn't go to school. Ryan, oh, Sarah Gordon, there in, in, at the Northwest Church where he used to be, she saw oh, a picture of Oscar and decided to sponsor him. And she's certainly not wealthy, she's a seamstress. But she was willing to give $35 a month to change Oscar's life. So he got to go to school. And she gave him hope. She gave him Tumaini. And that's what little Milton was just hoping for a break that somebody might sponsor him. Oscar Omondi had hope. And when they tried to take it away, even the government, he didn't give up his hope. The BBC over in, um, in London did a study, and they were studying poverty for the last few decades, and then they wanted to come to a conclusion of what's the best thing that you can do to help people in poverty. And I thought it was kind of interesting, but it kind of scared me, to tell you the truth. I thought, oh, no, I'm going to read this big report, and I'm not going to be doing what they say is the things that ought to be done to alleviate poverty. And so I read it, and you know what it said? The number one thing you could do, that you could do to help alleviate poverty is to sponsor a child in need. And I thought, great, they got it. That's something I can do and we can do. We can change the world by doing that. And then the second thing that they said is to give people clean water. That's the two best things you can do. Sponsor a child, give clean water. And so I left that Kasumu place and I went up northwest of there to a place called Turkana. And Turkana is an interesting place. It's a desert region, at least it is now. And at that time that I went there on that day, it had not rained in seven years. Now what happens when it doesn't rain in seven years? People just die. And they drink water that's totally polluted and because they don't have clean water. And then that gives them all kinds of diseases and they just still die. 
But we went up there, and as I'm going, I really believe that we had hope for that region. And I believe the reason that we had hope is because of Psalms 107, verse 35. It says this, But the Lord can also turn deserts into lakes and scorched land into flowing streams. Now, we'd hit on our last uh, 98 of the 100 wells that we had drilled as we're going to this place. And we started uh, drilling wells, and they, they were expensive because they're very, very deep. And so it cost us about $20,000 to get somebody to get a rig there to, to drill a deep well. And then, uh, and then the president, no, not the president, I'm sorry, the chairman of the board of Texas Tech, he, I, I just remember so much, he was at Preston Road Church of Christ, he was there, and he walked to me right the aisle, and he said, let's do something big. I said, what? He said, let's start a drilling company. And I said, a drilling company? I've just been trying to get some wells drilled. And I, in fact, one of the first wells that we drilled was, was sponsored uh, by someone from this church, Wilma Eubank. And she sponsored some of the first wells we ever drilled in, in, this, in this very spot. And saved so many lives. But the chairman of the board of Texas Tech, he gave us two rigs. And they cost $600,000 a piece so that we could drill deep wells there in, in Turkana. And so the price once we had those, uh, our own wells went from 20000 down to 10000 And then the chairman of the board of Justin Boots said, I think this is a great deal. And he says, so whatever anybody gives, I'll match it. And so all of a sudden, anybody that gave $5,000, he would give $5,000. He also went to Texas Tech and majored in finance like me. And, uh, and, and he started sponsoring, and he still is doing it. He says, it's the best thing I do. And so he's still sponsoring. So anybody now can drill a deep water well that will last decades and give life to people for 5000 bucks. It's pretty amazing. And now 700,000 people, we just started doing this a few years ago, and now 700,000 people drink water from our wells every day. I think it said 600 there, but we already expanded that. And... It's just amazing. And we try to plant a church with Everwell. And I know that in the last three years, just in those spots in Turkana, we've planted over 100 churches to go along with the water there, water and living water. And let me tell you, this is my best hope story, okay? This is the best one I got for you. Okay, we were up there in Turkana, and we were drilling on one of these wells, kind of like in this picture here. And it usually takes us about six days to, to drill a well. And... Anyhow, on this well that we were drilling on that day, we didn't hit water. I said most of the time we hit because we can go so deep. But on this day, we didn't hit water. And there's a guy that was watching, this old man. I think I got a picture of him. Got this old man. Yeah, he's the, he's the guy here on the left. And he's watching. He's been standing here for six days watching us drill for water. And uh, we just don't hit. And the man is really disappointed because he knows what will happen if we hit water. If we hit water, we'll form a community around that water well. We'll plant a church there in that new community. We'll start farms there because we can irrigate the land. We will buy them animals, usually goats there, and they'll just raise these goats and they'll provide nourishment for them. We'll start a school there. And then we'll start sponsoring kids there. And all these things happen if you hit water. But we didn't hit water. 
And so he's seeing all these things just kind of disappear. And so we're about to pack up the drilling rig and move on. And he comes up to me and he says, Can I pray over this place one more time before you leave? And I said, well, um, sure. And so he goes over to the place where we're drilling. We still got the rig there. And he gets down on his knees and his hands, and he just starts praying. And he prays for about 30 minutes. And then he gets up and walks back over to me. And he says, I know you're about to leave, but could you try one more time before you leave? I said, okay, we'll try. <laughs> and so we start the rig back up. And you know what's going to happen, don't you? I mean, we start that rig back up, and there's water. Water in the desert. I mean, it's just amazing. And he comes back over to me and says, you don't know what just happened, do you? And I said, yeah, I do. You prayed, and now there's water. And he says, yeah, but you don't know why I prayed. You don't understand. And I said, well, tell me. He says, to understand this, you have to know that I have come to this spot and prayed for water every day of my life. I said, wow. He said, but you don't know why I came to this spot to pray for water every day. And I said, well, why? And he says, I came to this spot and prayed for water every day because my dad came to this spot and prayed for water every day. I said, wow. And he said, but you don't know why my dad prayed for water every day at that spot. And I said, well, why did your dad pray for water at that spot every day? And he said, because my granddad came to this spot and prayed for water every day. I said, wow. And in my head, I started kind of adding it up, figuring out, you know, how old this guy must be, then how old his father must have been, and then how old his grandfather must have been. And then it dawned on me. They have been going to this spot and praying every day for over a hundred years. Over a hundred years. And then he came to me and he said, You are the answer to my prayers. God said in Psalms 9, 18, he says, but God will never forget the needy. The hope of the afflicted will never perish. And maybe you have a dilemma. Maybe it's not a lack of water. Most of you've got plenty of water. And when you think of needy, you think of yourself. And I don't know what all your needs are, but some of you got some heavy needs. And what I'm telling you is this. Don't lose hope. You need to grab the orange bracelet and just wear it and look at too many, just so you can keep remembering every day. Don't lose hope. And see, what we do with things is we, we tend to have this problem and we pray about it a couple of times and nothing changes and we just kind of get down because we still got this problem. But here's what I've learned. I learned it there in the Turkana Desert is that some things are not changed until you pray for them for a hundred years. Don't give up. Have hope. Pray until something happens. 
And give hope. I hope you can come to our table back there. Beautiful Barbie Jones will be back there to give you all kinds of information and help. And you can be the answer to someone else's prayers. You see, people are praying all over the place. And you might be the answer to their prayer. Don't give up hope. Lord, thank you so much for being with us. I'm thankful for this great church and all the many ministries that they have here. And I'm thankful for the way that they've helped kids down in Central America and others that sponsored people around the world. I thank you for Wilma and the way she just gave water in the desert. And Lord, I just pray that if anybody's here today and just struggling, having a tough time, that they'll keep praying, that they'll not give up hope because you're a big, big God. And you can help in your time. And Lord, bless the children that really are just waiting, that need help. Bless the people who are waiting for a drink. We pray for people like those in the victims in the hurricane, victims in the war, just needing hope. And Lord, please give them hope. And Lord, if you can give them hope through us, please do it. In Jesus I pray, amen.